Hallelujah. But um, uh, he already kind of gave us an introduction, but I usually don't share what my age is, just for some different reasons. Not for the same reason in which older people don't share their age. But, but when you say, I pastor a church, they say, well, you mean you're a youth pastor, right? Well, no, I'm not a youth pastor. I'm a senior pastor. Oh, you mean like, you're like an associate pastor. No, 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 I'm the lead, like, you know, the, the, the guy, the senior pastor in the church. Like, wow, oh, oh that's, that's, that's cool. And the conversation usually gets awkward at that point, usually. Um, I'm 27 years old, I'll be 28 in December, and I was just talking to um, uh, an individual young man that was up here talking to me a little bit ago, and said, I totally believe that we're going to see more young pastors in the years to come, young, young men and women that are going to stand up behind pulpits and churches and just, we're going to usher in the greatest move of God. Amen. Uh, I just, I'm stoked about that. I believe that with all my heart. And if I didn't, then I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So praise the Lord Jesus. So uh, we're honored to be here, Ashley and I both. She's such a blessing to me, and I'm so glad she could be here with me tonight. Praise the Lord. So just jump in with me, pull on me, do whatever you need to do, jump, shout, run, spit, whatever you need to do, just have a good time. Amen? Uh, what I want you to do real quick is go in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We're going to get to that eventually. I, I, I usually don't forget to go to the scripture in which I turn, told you to turn to, but sometimes I do. So if I do, you just have to say, hey, remember Romans chapter 12, and I'll, I'll thank you. It's really not a big deal. Praise the Lord. Now tonight what I want to minister to you is uh, a message about culture. And uh, there is a lot of misconception about what culture is. There's actually a lot of misconception that, that culture is actually an enemy to the church. And culture is not an, em- an enemy to the church. Culture can actually be a great asset to the church. Amen? Amen. And a lot of times what we do in a particular generation, we develop a culture. Every generation has a culture. But a lot of times we have just said, well, you know, my culture just goes against, you know, my senior pastor. My culture goes against what my youth pastor is saying. And, you know, your culture doesn't have to go against. I mean, you're, you're a man and woman of God. It doesn't have to do that. Right. Praise the Lord. Culture can be a huge asset to the body of Christ. And it's a misconception to think that culture is, a, is an enemy and that it's always an enemy because it's not. God made every single one of you unique. He made every single one of you special, and He puts you in the generation that you're in for a reason. That's right. Amen. That's right. He didn't put you there because He just, you know, sneezed and you showed up. You know, just wherever. Yeah. No, I mean, he, he had a plan, and He puts you where He needs you the most in the time that He needs you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So it's good that you're not older than you are or younger than you are. You're exactly who you are and as old as you are, and that's a great thing. Because that means that's where God's got you. Amen? Amen. So let's just figure out what we can do with our culture to make it a, an asset to our church. Culture is this. It's defined as this. The behaviors, beliefs, and characteristics of a particular social, ethnic, or age group. I'll read that one more time. This is just the Webster's Dictionary definition. Nothing, no revelation, nothing super spiritual. Just the Webster's Dictionary. The behaviors, beliefs, and characteristics of a particular social, ethnic, or age group, or the development or involvement of the mind by education or training. We'll read that second part one more time. The development or involvement of the mind by education 
or training. That's a biblical principle. A lot of times think that when we develop culture, we always develop worldly culture. You know, you can actually develop a God culture. You can develop a Jesus culture. Amen? And that's a biblical principle, which is why I have you in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world or the world's culture, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now that verse right there in verse 2, a lot of times what we do is we make it a grading system. And we make it, I'm in God's good will, or I'm in His acceptable will, or I'm in His perfect will. Do you know that God's will is always good and acceptable and perfect? Praise God. You can't be in His perfect will and not be in His good will. Right? You can't be in His good will and not be in an acceptable will. They're, they all go together. Praise the Lord. So don't make it a system, because a lot of times we make these systems in our mind, and we say, well, I'm at this level, or I'm at this level, and, and praise God, just go where you're at right now, take this verse, and say, Lord Jesus, I want to progress every single day to be more in the image of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Culture will actually rob you of that. It'll tell you that you're not good enough to associate. You don't have anything to offer the world. Older generations have been sometimes guilty. Not, all, not, not every person. We're not lumping everybody into this, right? But sometimes the, 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 older, the older culture, the older generation has said, well, this culture doesn't have anything to offer us. They're, they're just bad seed. Well, what are they saying about themselves? They're the ones that produced it, right? I mean, so, <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, Right? Love you and appreciate you. We didn't just fall out of Mars or something, you know? Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to go over there, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So we want to make sure we get another verse in here. Ephesians chapter 4. Praise the Lord. Boy, there is a sweet anointing in this place. Hallelujah. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. It says this. Uh... Yeah, Ephesians 4 and verse 22, that is a reference to the former manner of life. I'm going to, let me back up a little bit. I don't like grabbing things mid-thought. I like to make sure I get the whole thing. So back up to verse 20. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him just as truth in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. Everybody say old self. Which is being corrupted in accordance to the lusts uh, it, uh, the lust of deceit. Verse 23 says this, and that you be renewed. Oh man, there's some power up in that word. Right. And that you be renewed in the spirit of, it, it, it says mind. That scripture says mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So we go back to what the definition of culture is. That second part, the development or improvement of what? Of the mind. By education or training. What do you do every single Sunday and every single Thursday when you all get together? You're being trained. You're being trained. You're being educated. You're, you're learning to be more like Christ. When you were born again, your spirit became brand new in Jesus. I mean, perfect. Absolutely spotless. It knows everything there is to know about Jesus, God, the Holy Ghost, flowing in the Spirit, worshiping God. I mean, it, it's perfect. It's all of Jesus inside of you. 
It says we laid aside our old nature and we took on the nature of Jesus. Amen. So that spirit that's within us is, is alive and it's vibrant. It's, it's, oh, it's everything God is. But you know you still have flesh and you still have a brain that has to figure everything out. Nobody else is like that except me in the room, right? No? Okay. I'm alone. That's fine. And we, also, and we have flesh that doesn't like to do stuff. We have flesh that doesn't like to get up and come to church. We have flesh that doesn't like, I mean, praise God, we, we got all excited and clapped about the homework being over with. Praise God, that's good. Your flesh don't like to do homework. That's why we get excited and clap when it's over. Yeah? So, I mean, our flesh doesn't like to do things that it don't like to do. But what we have a responsibility to do, no matter how old you are in Jesus, because God doesn't look at things chronologically like we do. He doesn't look at 12, 24, 48, 84 as age like we do. He looks at how far along are you in the things of God. His age system is different than our age system. Well, a 12-year-old can't serve God like somebody that has, that, that's 48. I have seen 12-year-olds that are more on fire for Jesus than, than 48-year-olds in my own church. I, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. But I tell you what, they come up to me and they just say, you know what, Pastor, the Word says, and I say, amen, and they go off and they're excited and I get excited, and then somebody that has been saved for their whole life you know, oh, pastor, I just feel like quitting. You know, I just, I, I just can't find anything to do here. I can't hook up. I don't know what the problem is. I just, you know, come on. Come on. Yeah. Praise the Lord. It doesn't make any difference, 12, 24, 28, 46, 82. God doesn't look at that. He looks at where are you in development of your spirit man getting out of your spirit and renewing your mind to what your spirit already knows. That's how God looks. Praise the Lord. So, let's just take the number system and just throw it completely out because it's really useless anyway as far as God's concerned. Amen? Amen. You can do just as much for Jesus as anybody in the whole world can. Amen? No matter how old they are. Praise the Lord. Culture is a huge asset or it's a cancer to the body of Christ. It can be a huge asset or it can be an, an absolute cancer. I'm going to lead off with a statement that's going to be real bold and it's going to rock your world a little bit. You ready? All right, here we go. Culture always trumps vision. Culture always trumps vision. I'm going to give you a biblical example of that. Get ready. I told you it's going to rock your world. That's a bold statement. Because we always get excited about vision. Pastor, what's the vision? Pastor, what's the vision? Brother George, give me the vision. I need the vision. What is the quarry about? Give me the vision for the quarry. I, I, I mean, I hear that a lot. Pastor, what's your vision for Greentown family? What's your vision? What's your vision? Well, they've, they've skipped a step. They've skipped a step. Culture will always trump a vision. We see that happen in, 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 in way back with the Exodus, don't we? We see the Israelite children come out of the land of Egypt, and they wander around. Well, they, they, I, I, I'm, I'm not a Bible scholar. I, I'm, I'm not. I, I do study, but I'm, I do not proclaim to be a Bible scholar. But the distance, they say, there actually was between Egypt and the promised land, the said promised land, was like a four-day's journey. 
I mean, it wasn't very far. We're talking a, a couple overnight camping trips. I mean, but they spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. Why? Because we serve a God that's full of grace and full of mercy. Because we serve a God that loves, He loves His people. And He will do anything for His people. But what ends up happening is these guys, they go in, they send in 12 spies, right? You know the story. They send in 12 spies. Two come back, Joshua and Caleb. They come back and they say, oh, you know what? Let's do it. This is what God said do. They just happen to be young people too, by the way, which is pretty cool. They come back in, they're like, let's go smoke them, man. I mean, God, if God's for us, who can be against us? Let's go up in there and mess them giants up, right? <laughs> but then... The others, they come back and they say, oh, but there's giants in that land. And in, our, in their sight, we're just, I mean, we're like grasshoppers to them. We're so, I mean, there's no way we could do this. Well, now, we can, this is not my message tonight, but it's good anyway. We get all excited about God's grace and His mercy, and we think that it's just this endless, bottomless pit that we can just keep going to every time we screw up. Just being real for a minute. Oh, thank you, God. You're full of grace and mercy. But I totally intend to do tomorrow what I just did just now. Not repentant whatsoever. Repentant means I'm going to turn and go the opposite direction of, of where I just was. <laughs> Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I'll, I'm going to need that tomorrow again, by the way. You know, so why don't you just keep me a running credit in heaven, I'm just going to swipe my card anytime I need it, and we're just going to cha-ching, cha-ching, and, you know, it just doesn't work like that. We find that it doesn't work like that because we found it with the Exodus story, didn't we? We find these two men that came back and said, let's go in, let's, let's do it, let's get it. The rest of them came back and said, no, we can't do it. And God finally said, how much more do I have to do to prove myself to you? I've fed you in the wilderness. I've given you water out of rocks. I've parted seas for you. <laughs> I delivered you from the hand of your captors, the people that were beating you so that you'd build stuff for them. And, and you still think that it's all just you. You still think that it's all about you. It's not all about you. Praise the Lord. Well, there's a great example right there where we saw culture trump vision. The culture of the Israelite children at that time was, look, it's all about us and what we can do. It's all about what we can build and what we can produce. And when we get in trouble, we'll cry out to God. When we don't have enough, then we'll cry out to God. But then when He gives it to us, we'll complain about it because it's not good enough. Right? That was the culture. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. That was the culture. But we can't say that it was the culture of every single person because God did this. He said, everybody, and I, I might mess up the ages, but everybody that's of the, the age of, of, is it like, tw was it 20? Is it 20 and under? will go into the promised land. But everybody that's over that, they're, they're not going in. That included Moses and Aaron and the original leadership. Why? Because culture trumped the vision that God gave Moses. 
it wasn't entirely up to Moses whether or not they got into the promised land or not. It was up to the whole congregation to see the vision come to pass. And because they let their culture trump the vision that God gave the man of God, then they, they missed it. They missed out. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. All of them died off until that age group was able then to go in and, and take the land. Right? Just had to wipe the slate clean. Do you know that wasn't God's original intention? It's not what he wanted. That wasn't his best plan. That's really not what he wanted. He wanted all of his children to go into the promised land. But because God said it, it had to come to pass. Because God isn't in the business of saying things that don't come to pass. Everything he says comes to pass. And so culture, no culture, doesn't make any difference. We're going to wipe that slate clean and somebody's going to the promised land. Amen? Praise the Lord. So culture trumps vision. Do you know that the culture of a church can totally derail the vision that God has given the church to fulfill? It can completely derail. And what happens? The pastor will move out. They'll go away because the people aren't receptive of the vision that God's given to the pastor. It's for the whole church. It's not just for them. I mean, yeah, will they benefit from that? Of course they will. And thank God for leadership. Thank God for leadership. I mean, sheep without a shepherd, there's no place for sheep without a shepherd. You have to have a shepherd. So thank God for leadership. But when God gives the leadership a vision and we allow our culture to mess up that vision, God will take the vision somewhere else. And He'll fulfill it through somebody else. And I sure don't want to see that happen. No way. I want to be part of what God's doing. I want to be a part of the vision that God's, that God's given. Amen? Praise the Lord Jesus. It's always going to come to pass. It's not an issue of if it comes to pass. It's going to come to pass. It just is a question if it's through us or not. Right. Amen. Amen. An incredible example of the power of culture can be found in a story I'm going to read to you. And some of you uh, might have heard this story already. That's all right. It's not a biblical account. It's actually a study that was done at the uh, uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison. You might have heard this story. Don't ruin it for your neighbor. All right. Just, just listen. This will be good. All right. Here you go. Uh, Dr. Harry Harlow is the fellow's name that did, this, uh, that did this study. There were five monkeys that were put into a regular monkey's cage where bananas were hung from above, outside the monkey's reach. To begin the experiment, a stepladder was placed inside the cage, providing access to the banana. Whenever a monkey would climb the ladder in an attempt to reach the fruit, all the monkeys were sprayed with cold water. It didn't take long before the monkeys learned to stay away from the ladder. I mean, some human beings aren't that smart. (laughs) This is where it gets interesting. This is where it gets good. One of the original monkeys was removed from the cage and replaced, completely replaced, with a new monkey who had not learned how things go around here. No, we don't have any church people like that, right? No? This is how things go around here. We don't need those people. We kick those people to the curb. Anyway, needless to say, the banana dangling above lured that new monkey in. And as soon as he began to climb, the experienced, quote unquote, the experienced monkeys 
fearful that they were going to get sprayed with cold water, grabbed him and pounced on him. The thing is, oh, it's, it's, we're not even halfway through this amazing tale of the monkeys, all right? Here you go. This is great. The thing is, there was no water, and it only took a handful of tries before the new monkey clearly understood, forget about the banana. The new monkey never saw the consequence for going after the bananas. He just responded to the group pressure. Here we go. Oh, this is good. Get ready. It gets deeper. One by one, the five original monkeys, those who were actually sprayed by the cold water, the only ones that had ever seen a consequence, were replaced one by one. The scenario repeated with each brand new monkey that came into the cage. Finally, there were no monkeys remaining who actually experienced the cold water. This is where it gets really good, real interesting. On one of these second generation monkeys was then replaced, and guess what? The scenario repeated itself again. Into the second generation. So we're not talking about the, the first ones that actually saw the consequence. We're now on to the second generation of monkeys that only know that there's a ladder, bananas, and I don't know why we can't go after them. But I just know we can't. And any new one that came in got the same result as they were replaced. So eventually, this is where it gets good, church. Eventually, there were all brand new monkeys inside this cage. And they had no idea why it wasn't all right to go after what looked to be good. They, had no, they, they didn't know why. And they continued to attack and pounce on and, and keep the other monkeys away from the stepladder without any direct understanding of why the banana was off limits. All the monkeys had become guardians and enforcers of the rule. Amazing, right? Yeah. Well, I would love to say, I would love to say this, and I believe this with my heart, that we are better than monkeys. <laughs> but for some reason, when I read that story, I felt like, hmm, some human beings aren't that quick. <laughs> they don't learn nearly that fast. Right? And then I started thinking about, well, wait just a second. This is, this is incredible. This is blowing my mind. There was a completely second generation of monkeys that had never seen any consequence and continued to enforce what they thought was the rule. Do you know that's what halts church growth? Stops it. Dead in its tracks. Culture. Why is it not okay to pursue after God and seek Him fully? Why is that not all right? Well, I don't know why it's not all right, but there's limitations, see? And this is how things go around here. How's come? I, I, I'm going to be, can I be for real? I am so tired of reading about the revivals that happened years and years and years before I was even thought of, let alone born. Wondering why I'm not seeing that today. 
I stopped reading the stories like that. I stopped looking at them going, well, God, why? Why am I not seeing that today? Because then I just, I just beat up my mind thinking about, well, why isn't that taking place? And I just, I just chose then to say, no, Lord Jesus, I will see that and better take place in my generation. Amen? Even if I am standing alone, I will see it. Amen? Let me give you some facts about culture. Uh, fact number one, the culture of a church determines its effectiveness. A lot of times we want to say that the pastor of the church determines the church's effectiveness, but that's actually contrary. It's actually contrary. A lot of times what we do is we lift those men up, and when they stumble, see, then you see a whole church close their doors. Why? Because their eyes were on the man, and their eyes weren't on God in the man. <laughs> Thank God for our pastors and thank God for the people that are over us, but, but, but they're not Jesus. I mean, we make mistakes just like anybody else makes mistakes. But the cool thing about culture is that it'll overlook someone else's mishaps. A culture can do that. Now, I'm going to say this. I believe that our culture is prime for that. Uh, I'm going to explain this. I'm not condoning these things. But these are, these are why I think it's prime for this. Our culture, in, as a whole, not, not, not every single one of us, I understand that, but the culture in general believes that a man marrying another man is all right. A woman marrying another woman, that's okay. It's not a big deal. They love each other, and let's just be okay and accept that. In majority. If you talk to some of your friends and people that you go to school with, a lot of them think, well, I don't see the problem with that. What's the deal? A lot of times, Christians, we walk around with our head in the sand thinking that we're the majority, and a lot of times we're not. Not everybody shares our worldview. That's why the Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Obviously, some people don't believe like you believe. Amen? That's a, that's a big mistake. We just stay silent. We just don't say anything. So we're primed for it. Our culture is because our culture is very, whether, they, whether they've even thought about it or not, they're just very accepting. I, I, can, I can say that, right? Yeah. And that actually is a good quality. It can be used for very negative things. And that's the difference between a culture being an asset or a cancer. An asset will help propel things forward and help us get to the next step. A, a, a cancer eats a victim alive, is what it does, until it's completely destroyed it. Huge difference. Our culture is very accepting, but that can be used, and the devil's used it for a long time to mess up our generation. To rema- keep us ineffective. Keep us in a place of being ineffective. Oh, man... Accepting people for who they are is a great quality. But we have to add on to that, but don't stay the way you are. See, Jesus Christ came that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Praise the Lord. You don't have to stop where you are. Praise God. God doesn't hate you. He hates sin. Right? All you got to do is just, uh, just lay the sin down. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. and just It's good, man. Just jump in. 
It's, it's fun swimming around in this pool. Yeah? Praise the Lord. But we have to believe that or nobody else is going to believe that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo! That was a zinger. Fact number two. The collective behavior of the church members determine its culture. The collective behavior of the church members determine the church's culture. That's how culture is defined. It's collective behavior. It's not much of a culture of just one person is acting like that. It's, it's a culture when multiple people take on that same philosophy or that same idea. The collective behavior of a church, uh, the collective behavior of church members rather determines what that church's culture is going to be. Fact number three, culture ultimately changes one person at a time, positive or negative. It always changes one person at a time. It never changes. It, it doesn't go. It doesn't happen. Nothing happens overnight. It always happens one person at a time. It's a ripple effect. Amen? Praise God. I mean, Jesus went after his disciples, and he went after them just one at a time. Come follow me. I'll make you fishers and men. He went after them one at a time. Amen? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's keep going. Fact number four. This is getting good now, isn't it? Is this helping somebody? Praise the Lord. If the culture of the church is going to change, it has to start with the pastor. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. Whoa, 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 stop. Cram on the brakes and put it in reverse. You're hero worshiping. It's got it's to gotta, it's gotta start with the pastor. He's the one that's got to change that culture in the church. A pastor can't change the whole culture of a church. He can pray, and he can believe God. And I'd spend a lot of time in my office praying in the Spirit over my church. Oh, man, I do that every single day. And I, hours will go by, and I've prayed for my church in the Spirit. But I don't spend a whole lot of time praying in the natural, because when I pray in the natural, I just start thinking about stuff I need to pray for in the natural. <laughs> and sometimes it's not Spirit-led. It's, it's... <laughs> Right on. <laughs> Amen. No, no, no. The culture of a church is going to change. And it, if it has to change, and it has to start with you. It has to start with me. I have to decide to be a change. Do you... And I, this is not a political rally or anything like that, right? I don't, I don't care if, you know, you voted for him or didn't vote for him. It didn't really make any difference. Well, it does make a difference, but it doesn't matter who you vote for. It really does. Right. makes a difference. Right. But the reason that our current president is, is our current president is because he, he exploited the idea of change. Now, I'm not picking on the man. I'm just saying that this is, this is a tactic that's been used for a long time. You don't like where you are. Let me show you a better way. And I can do it all by myself. Oh, wow, whoa, 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 that's, that's a dictatorship, man, that's not, that's not right. No, that's how cults happen, that's, that's how that happens. Oh, you guys don't like your life? Come on over here, we'll live in a commune together and drink some Kool-Aid, you know? I mean, that's how, that's how cults start. Yeah? <laughs> no. What your pastor, and I know your pastor does, and I know Brother, Brother Jordan does, is they always point the way to Jesus. Yeah. Not to themselves. 
you know, I don't. I do not have the power to change Greentown Family Christian Center. I don't. But Jesus does. And as long as I keep directing people towards Jesus, no, 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 get your eyes off me, get them on Jesus. Get your no, stop, 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 stop. I'm not your answer. Jesus is your answer. He might use me to help you, but go to Him first. Don't call me. Pastor Jesus. I'm not Pastor Jesus. I'm Pastor Drew. Go to Jesus first. And if Jesus said, I need you to call your pastor, all right, call your pastor. But it'll be for a reason. You won't be all up on the phone. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Nobody's being helped in that situation. Steps. I'm going to give you some steps to change your generation. You ready for this? Some steps in order to change your culture. Step number one is to recognize the problems. You can just put recognize. Recognize the problems. First, you've got to see them before you can fix them. It doesn't make any sense. If we're just blindly going in trying to fix something and we don't see it first, I mean, we're not going to be very effective. Right. Praise the Lord. Step number two is own up to. Own up to them. Don't blame them on somebody else. Well, that's my, that was my parents' fault, my grandparents' fault, my, you know, my great-grandparents' fault. They made me this way. No, stop with all that. Stop with all that. All it does is keep us in the same perpetual cycle, and we just stay on it forever and ever and ever. And I don't want to see the world continue to turn on that cycle. Amen. When you became born again, you laid down your pappy's name, and you took on the name of Jesus. Amen. Right? I thought I was down in southern Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> Pappy and Grandpappy, those are... All right. I, I, I use those words up in the north, you know, where I'm from, you know, whatever. We use Pappy. Okay, good. All right. Pappy's cool. I use those words a lot in church, just side journey, this is real quick. I use those words in church all the time, and the whole congregation is looking at me like, I've never heard that ever in my life. I said something. I said, on Sunday, I said, oh, man, you know, you just get snorting mad. And everybody's looking at me like, what does snorting anything? I, we don't do that. That's not safe or Christian. And I'm like, no, guys, snorting mad just means really mad, right? And, and she's the worst. She'll be sitting on the front row like, <laughs> no, she helps me is what she does. Because I say things, it's just it's totally over the head. And then I want to make sure I backtrack. You know what a pappy is and a grandpappy. All right. Praise the Lord. We're good. We're good. Let's get this wagon train moving. Okay, here we go. So you got to own up to those things. It's not somebody else's fault. It can no longer be somebody else's fault. We have to take ownership. I'm going to encourage you to do this. All right? And you can do this in your private time or whatever. I've decided to do this in my own life. I'm going to stop using the word they or any form of the word they when I'm talking about something I don't care for. I'll see they or them or those folks or, you know... I got you have to eliminate those that that vocab word when we're talking about things that we don't care for. 
oh, we'll see. The reason that, you know, we're having this issue, and they, oh, it's totally, you know, prob- pastor's probably not praying enough, you know? <laughs> you know? I mean, man, Brother Jordan's cool. I mean, he dresses real awesome, too, you know? And, and I mean, yeah, only, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but he's, you know what, he's done falling off the lettuce truck is what Dr. Dufresne says. I like that. You know, he's, he's missed it. He's missed God. No, 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 stop, 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 stop. Think for one second. Think for a second. Did I miss God? Was the Lord trying to use somebody to minister to me and I totally passed it off and I missed my hour of visitation? Now, see, it's got to come back to me. I have to look in the mirror. The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. So I have to look at myself in the mirror. I can't look at anybody else. When I look in the mirror, I only see me. I don't see somebody else's face. That would just be weird. (laughs) Step three, solve the problems. So we've recognized, we've owned up to them, and now we're going to work on solving them. Solve the problems. I'm going to give you a principle. It's called the Noah principle. There's no more prizes for predicting rain, only for building arcs. Only for building arcs. There's no more prizes for saying, oh, I was the one that blasted the horn on that, you know, sister so-and-so in church. I was the one that let everybody know that she's running around and doing things she shouldn't be doing outside church. I was the one that said it. I was the one that did. Everybody, (laughs) look at me. No, there's no more prizes for saying, oh, it's going to rain. No, there's only prizes for doing something about it. So what should we do about it? Well, running around and telling other people about it isn't on the list. (laughs) Can't be on the list. So we have to say, okay, well, Lord Jesus, what should I do about it? Well, Lord, I should go to prayer, and I should pray about that person. I should lift them up to you. Well, I'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit for them. Lift them up. You know what will happen when you pray in the Spirit for somebody? Is that you'll have compassion for them. Is what you'll have. Because when you're praying in the Spirit, the Spirit has compassion. So you'll get what the Spirit's got. And He has compassion. So if you don't have compassion for Him and you're kicking Him to the curb, you should ask yourself, how, how, how much am I praying? You know, for that situation to turn around and, and for them to get the help they need. How much am I doing that? Because I'll have compassion if I'm praying in the Spirit. Anyway, so we've got to solve the problem. So there's no more prizes for predicting rain. There's no more prizes for being the hornblower. Right? Only for doing something about it. Only for building the arcs. Step number four is do something. Do something about it. Figure out what it takes to solve it, then you've got to do it. Then you've got to do it. Eliminate the word try from your, voca- from your vocabulary. Now, this isn't like Star Wars and Yoda. You know. There is no try, only do. You know? <laughs> do or do not. You know, that's, that's, not, that's not what we're talking about either. But we're going to eliminate, we have to eliminate that word from our vocabulary as well. I'm not going to try to, I'm going to do. Father, I'm going to try to be more in the image. No, no, no. See, I'm going to be in the image of Jesus. Oh, but God, I'm I'm going to try to be at church. No, 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 just be in church. You don't have to try. It's really not difficult. Right? Amen. It doesn't take much effort, really. Just get in here. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So there's no try. They're just doing. Avoidance will never increase a person's faith. Avoiding things never increases a person's faith. 
We abuse to death the scripture that says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, if I just read the word and read the word and read the word, then I'll have faith. No, faith comes when you do the word. That's the rest of the scripture, see. James 1.22, it says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers, only deceiving yourself. What are you deceiving yourself about? Oh, see, I got all this wonderful faith all stored up for a rainy day. I don't know what that rainy day is or when it's ever going to come, you know. But I got it. I got it stored up. It's in there. Whenever Jesus needs it, well, he needs it right now. (laughs) The leadership in your church needs it right now. You can't hold back what you got. Amen. Let the goods out. Praise the Lord. So we can't. We got to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Praise God. I'm concluding, and everybody said amen. Remember the culture. I always go real fast over that so that nobody feels awkward, you know. So everybody say amen, and I just move right on, right? Then you don't have to feel bad if you did say amen. Or I don't know if we should or not, you know. Remember that culture can be a great asset or it can be uh, a cancer to the body of Christ. Let's, let's make it an asset. You want to do that? Let's do that together. Our culture can be the greatest help to the body of Christ, or it can be the hardest thing for it to overcome. Our, and I'll even say this. Our culture can be the greatest help to our pastor, or it could be the hardest thing for them to overcome. Lord Jesus, I have this vision for my church, but God, I just, every time I, it always gets derailed. Well, Let's 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 not let's not have the pastor go into his do, go into his prayer closet about stuff like that anymore. Lord, I know this is what I need to do, and then it just gets done. You know what I mean? Oh, that's that's a cool church. That's a great church. I, I believe you have one of those churches right here. Amen. Amen. Praise God, you got a great church. So let your culture be the greatest help to the body, not not the hardest thing for it to overcome. Our culture can also help the leadership that God's placed over us. They need us in order to accomplish what God's called for them to accomplish in this place. Praise the Lord. They need you. It's not very much fun to get up on Sunday morning and preach to yourself. God, I have a word of the Lord, and I have to look in the mirror and deliver it to me. You know, that's not nearly as much fun as getting to stand up with y'all and you listen and and receive. Amen? Praise God. So, uh, that's a good thing. Uh, the choice doesn't rest with the leadership. It doesn't rest with Jesus. It doesn't rest with the Holy Spirit. Jesus has already done everything he's ever going to do. He gave, he gave everything. There's nothing left to give. He poured himself out like an offering. He poured himself out. He gave all of himself to us. There's no more to give. I can't say, you know, Jesus... Give me more. Give me more. Give me. He's already done, gave you everything. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So now the thing is, is, it's not we're looking to the heavens and going, God, pour that out on me. But it's now it's, it's within you. God's within you. So you just have to go, okay, it's in me. So how do I get that out of me? Praise the Lord. Oh, man, pray about it. Do something about it. Put your hand to the plow and begin to walk in that particular direction. And I guarantee, now listen to me. I said this last night, and I, oh, man. Peter didn't have the ability to walk on water standing in the boat. Peter received the supernatural ability to walk on water when he stepped out onto the water. 
when he made the first initial step out of the boat and put his foot down and then took the rest of the weight out of the boat, that's when he received. A lot of Christians want to sit up in the boat and say, well, God, give me the ability to do that. You're not going to get the ability to do that until you start doing it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So let that become part of your culture. Let that become part of who you are. Lord Jesus, I want to step out in faith. Lord God, I don't know how a human being can stand on water because I don't register. <laughs> but, but God, you said come. You said come out onto the water. So Lord Jesus, I'm stepping out onto the water. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Then let God do the rest. Praise the Lord. You'll learn along the way. And your pastor will help you too. Hey, you know what? You missed it right here. But look, hey, don't feel condemned. There's no reason to feel condemned. Get up over here and see, hey, but you did this right. You do, man, you got that. You nailed that. Come on. Come on. Praise God. But this over here, let's just tweak this just a little bit. You're all right. Come on, get up. Let's go. Everything's fine. Okay, cool. Well, Peter did that, didn't he? He was looking at Jesus, and then he took his eyes off Jesus. And that's when he began to sink. But Jesus didn't just let him sputter and spit and cough and hack and, you know, flailing around. Jesus, oh, God, help me, help me. I'm going to die. No, Jesus reached out, and he grabbed onto Peter, and he pulled him up out of the water. And then he helped him get back to the boat. And it doesn't say that Jesus carried him on his back. So let's not stretch that. No, he, he got back up again and walked on water again with Jesus. He missed it once, but he got right back up on top of the water again, didn't he? Got right back into the boat. Let that be part of your culture. I might bump my head on the wall, but thank you, God, I'm not going to bump my head on that wall again. It's got to be part of your culture. Praise the Lord. But the choice is ours. All right, let's confess some things together. I'm a huge advocate for confessing things. Ashley and I confess stuff every single day. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So we're going to confess some things together. You can close up the book. Praise the Lord. Say this with me. Say, our culture, our culture is going to help the vision and not destroy it. Our culture is going to see the greatest move of God. Our culture, Our culture is going to help people come to Jesus. Our culture, oh man, say it with some conviction. Our culture is going to help the bound become free. Our culture is going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Our culture is going to be the greatest that the world's ever seen. Oh, man, now get up and jump and shout about it. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We thank you, Lord. Father, our culture, our culture, Lord. Father, we're going to see the greatest move of God. Father, we're going to lay hands upon the sick and see him recover. Lord Jesus, we're going to move and flow with you, God. Father, we're going to, we might miss it, but Jesus, we're going to step right back up and get on top of that water. Lord Jesus, oh, <laughs> Glory be to your name, God. Glory be to your name. Whoo, there's an anointing in here. Man, just lift your hands, just receive. Whatever you need tonight. You need some boldness to step out onto the water? Man, jump up and receive that right now. I receive that boldness right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, you came so I might be bold. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. If you need healing in your physical body, boy, it's, it's a lot easier to serve Jesus when you're feeling good than when your body's feeling sick, right? So Jesus Christ came that we might have life and more abundantly, and he took those stripes upon his back so you could be healed, so you could serve him without being sick. So, Father, I receive right now in Jesus' name strength in my physical body in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I choose to make these things part of who I am, part of my culture, part of who I am in you, Jesus. And, Father, we thank you, and we give you all the praise, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Oh, man, just thank him just for a second. Father.